Welcome to the podcast. I'm Rosa Coelho, your host, lifestyle entrepreneur, health coach, and speaker. I've gone from being in complete overwhelm, burning the candle at both ends, and watching my health, relationships, and business suffer, to creating a life with more joy, ease, and abundance. If you're ready to let go of the overwhelm, reclaim your health, and push past your comfort zone so that you can unleash your next level of success to create a greater impact, then sit back as we delve into conversations as well as bring on guests to share with you tools, knowledge, and real action steps to get you there. Listen in because you never know when you may hear something that changes everything. Hello, beautiful friend, and welcome to this week's episode. I am thrilled to bring you this episode because it is literally the most requested one I've had in the last few months. I've had women reaching out asking me if I could please do an episode on this topic. And at first I thought, yeah, I could do this as a solo one. However, I think it's a conversation and especially as a conversation with another woman and a woman that coaches on this very topic, that it would even be far more powerful. The topic is how to go from being a people pleaser to being unapologetically yourself. Now, the reason I've had a few people reaching out, quite a few actually, is because I have been posting, I'd say, a lot more bolder posts recently. And in for many people, their posts and things that they wish that they could say, they're things that they believe as well, but they're too nervous to say it because of what others would think. Or even if they're not things that they agree with, they have said that they wish they could at least speak out in that way. And I so get that. I wasn't always like that. The, this last year has really, I've seen so like, I've gone through so much growth myself to change and grow a lot in this area. It's still definitely a journey for me, even though I know there's a significant difference in me. Um, There's still certain areas where I'm stronger with this and other areas where I kind of revert back to being like that, you know, being a little bit quieter being too shy to speak my mind when I really want to. And so it is definitely a journey. But like I said, one that I feel like um, I know what it feels like to be paralyzed by that inability to speak your mind and really want to. And also the process of how great it feels when you crack through that and you really step into who you are. It's just like, it's an incredible feeling. So I'm going to stop babbling on. I want to quickly, quickly introduce our incredible, um, our incredible coach today. She's a coach. She's an author. She's a healer. She's a speaker. She's just brilliant. Her name is Melanie Phillips. And again, I thought, I think we were brought together through divine intervention as well. It was a common friend um, who introduced us through Instagram. Uh, That friend is Bryn Peebles. And I'm actually going to put Bryn's uh, Instagram handle in the show notes because she's such an amazing uh, comedian. She's an actor and comedian and uh, you'll want to check her out just for some fun. We can all use that. That's for sure. But when I put a little call out on Instagram asking if anyone knew anyone that was a coach in this area, um, Bryn said, okay, Melanie is the person that you really need to speak with. So I patiently waited because Melanie obviously is busy like all of us. She's she's a busy coach and, um, and uh, healer. So let me tell you a little bit about Melanie so that you have a bit of context. And then we're going to go right into this interview. This interview is, you know, definitely difficult to get a lot of depth in one hour, but we for sure do our best. This is definitely will be the beginning of a journey for some and a great big step for others. So Melanie is actually an author of two books. One of her books is called Your Irresistible Life, Four Seasons of Self-Care Through Ayurveda and Yoga Practices That Work. Her second book is Living After Loss, A Soulful Guide to Freedom. She has courses. She has a few courses. One of them that really caught my attention was the Inner Empowerment Mentorship Program. I just love that. So I will put her website and all her information in the show notes so that you can go um, and look at that after the interview in case you would like to work with her or just learn from what she has on her site. She's got so many beautiful, incredible resources. So there's definitely something there for any, for everyone if this is a topic that speaks to you. Okay, so let's get back into it. Grab your tea, your coffee, your water, whatever it is that you're enjoying. If you're driving, keep your eyes on the road. <laughs> but literally just take some time for yourself and enjoy this powerful episode. Hi, Melanie. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for your time here. I can't tell you how excited I am to have you on. We have been waiting for this interview. 
I'm stoked to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is, um, we were talking about it before. This is literally my most requested topic of recent times and related. We're going to be talking about how to be unapologetically yourself, especially we're speaking specifically to women, um, how to, you know, not be that woman that swallows her words all the time. And I know that that really impacts our thyroid and just our overall health when we keep these kind of things in. And that's something I think we've always talked about. However, now with the current situation, and this is not, we're not talking about COVID or what side you're on or any of that kind of stuff at all. But I think because uh, it is such polarizing views now more than ever that people are really finding um, that this is confronting them. And it's no longer just, you know, not verbalizing your opinion on something small. It's something big and people are really passionate about these topics. But I think that through this interview, we can help women not just for these current times, but for future, because the other topics were just as important because they impact you and they impact your health. So we'll go from there. So I'm going to, um, we're going to start off with the first question. So what does it mean to be unapologetically yourself? Like what, what do you feel the meaning is for that? And many women express that they would love to be this way, but yeah, what does that actually mean? Well, what first comes up when you say that, so in Ayurvedic medicine, we have a word called uh, prakruti. No one has to remember that, but what it means is essentially your, your true nature. Mm. And that is established at conception. That makeup of the five elements, and I won't get into Ayurveda and the complexity of that, but, but when you say like unapologetically yourself, to me, it's being who we truly are, um, at a soul level without all of the conditioning and programming that gets layered on top and layered on top and layered on top throughout our life. And then we become such a limited version of ourself, uh, a distorted version of yourself, if you will. And we're operating out of strategies. Right. Oh my goodness. You actually make me reflect on my own journey. And I think of, um, I had lived in London, England for 11 years. And those 11 years were between my mid twenties and my mid thirties. And I remember just feeling so incredibly happy and so incredibly myself. And I remember reflecting on it and thinking it's because no one here knows me. There are no conditions put on me. I am, I am doing what I want, when I want, how I want, and no one is judging me. And having moved back home, sometimes I feel like I'm going back to like the 19 year old that I was night. I don't mean home, like in home with my parents, <laughs> but you know, just back home to Canada and where people do know me and they've known me for many stages of my life. So that's so, um, yeah, that's so interesting. I can completely relate when you say that mm. I, I traveled a lot internationally in my twenties and thirties and always felt so free traveling. I think it's exactly for that reason. And then I would come back to Vancouver and a little bit feel this sense of contraction. And yeah, I'm, I put myself back into the box of who I think other people think I am. Yeah. I used to I like that. that. Yeah. That um, it's a very physical feeling, isn't it? That contraction. Yeah. All of a sudden you feel yourself, um, not being the same as you were when you were traveling or when you were somewhere that people didn't know you from all stages of your life. Yeah. I mean, even something as small as I remember when I was 25, I like, I have long hairs for the listeners cause they can't see me. And then when I was 25, I decided one day I was just going to cut it short. And when I mean short, I mean like pixie short, I just had some girl do it for me. <laughs> she wasn't even a hairdresser and people here found that so weird. Like like it was all of a sudden I changed for them. And then I had moved, I moved like a couple weeks later. And I remember being in London, people going, Oh, I cannot picture you with long hair. And I was like, weird. I've had it my whole life, but just so, oh, yeah, it's, that's a very like visual example of it. So why do you think like there are women, we all know those women and we always view them as, as strong, whether we like them or whether we don't like whether we perceive to like them or not, we view them as strong because they just speak their mind. And whether you agree with them or not, you're usually like, oh, wow, there's something about that that you like. Why do you think it's easy for some women and not and not for others? Because we've all had that conditioning, I assume. So why can some women just be like, say, say their thoughts and they don't really care so much about what other people are going to think? 
Well, it's an interesting question because we don't know if they don't care what other people think. It might appear that way, right? These sort of like strong or gregarious characters that seem like they're just speaking their mind or being kind of really overt and out there. We never actually know the underlying motivation or cause. That could be their strategy. Right. That might not actually be them being unapologetically themselves. But I know what you're saying. I know, you know, where where you're going with the the question of those those women that just seem to be like unafraid, unencumbered. Either they've they've done the inner work because I don't think being unapologetically ourselves means that we have to be like the loudest person in the room or the, you know, blah, vomiting our opinion everywhere. Because that can be where many of us, I think, hold back thinking that's what being authentic is, that it means we have to go from perhaps maybe having a more conservative personality or where it is to going, oh, I just have to like speak my mind and go everywhere. And I don't think it's like that. So I think however one's expression of their true self comes, I think they've either done enough inner work so that they've established a sense of safety internally Mm. because we cannot stand in the truth of who we are if we don't feel safe in the external world or in our internal world. Right. Does that make sense? So much sense. And I want to get to your personal story on that, but you've kind of made me think of something else. And I love, that's why I love speaking to so many people about the, about various topics, because you make me think in a different way than I thought before. And I, and I love that you just gave that beautiful example. You're also making me um, look at the point that being a full, full expression of yourself and apologetically yourself doesn't always mean that you need to be expressing your views. You can, you can be quiet in your truth. And also if that's different than wanting to express it and not being able to, is that, does that make sense? Yes. That, that I, I think you're spot on with that. It's like, are we living in the alignment of our truth that is for us, mm-hmm. not to prove a point, not to push our opinion on someone else, not to um, be for the sake of uh, like being argumentative. Mm-hmm. If we're in our ego, whenever we're speaking, acting, being in our life, mm-hmm. then we're not in our most authentic, powerful self. Mm-hmm. We're in our ego and we're in our ego. Anytime we feel, um, we often think it's like people feeling better than another, that arrogance, but it's also when right. we feel less than another yeah both those are ego right better than less than we're in our ego and wherever whenever we're in that ego we're in our conditioning we're in a strategy and we're not in the center of our power and our truth and it will look different for everybody right oh I never thought about that less than is also being in your ego it's huge and most many I'll say many women sensitives um empaths go into that Oh, who am I to shine so bright? Oh, who am I to? And that's where we get the imposter syndrome. That's where we get the pleaser archetype because we've gone into, oh, I don't know. Who am I to be so bold or to speak my truth? And that's where we come from the less than ego. Yes. Oh my goodness. Okay. I can keep going on and on about this, but I want to first, I want to first hear your journey before we get deeper into this, because I have so many things that are coming up. Um, Tell us a little bit about your journey because we were actually connected through a common friend through Bryn Peoples, who's amazing. Actually, I'm going to put Bryn's um, Instagram handle in this as well because she's like, she's an amazing comedian, right? She's just like, she's she's just brilliant. Love her so much. So I, I'm going to put Bryn in there just for fun, just to like shout her out a little bit too because this wouldn't have happened without her. Um, tell us a little bit about your journey because you have been in, in, on a journey. You haven't always been like this or have you or tell me like what (laughs) like being able to be an expression of yourself and and not play small and not um you know swallow your words all the time and and that stage that thing absolutely not I I feel like I'm a work in progress and I feel like I definitely have I call myself like a recovering pleaser or you know coming into that like recovered pleaser but it's work because it's Mm -hmm. it's bumping up against all of the programming that is biological as well, it gets into a a feeling state, it's somatic, it's literally in our body when we uh, are are triggered into certain behaviors. So we have to unwind all of that. So no, I, uh, well, it's interesting. When I look back at my life, I see a time in my life that I felt like me, like that original nature. Mm -hmm. And then ironically enough, I 
went off to India and I lived in an ashram and I began to <clears throat> study traditional yoga. And then over a period of a decade was back and forth to Indian and deeply immersed in this spiritual community. And in the beginning, it was really expansive. And I, I shaved my head, I got a spiritual name. I was, it was very incredible and at a very mm. impressionable time of my life. However, as time went by and I sort of got more immersed in this community, I feel like I became more contracted over time because there's now this sort of spiritual identification that was layered on top of me, kind of from the external of, oh, this is what's expected of you right. uh, in this tradition and to hold this level of initiation and to walk with this spiritual name. Um, and so I think what happened slowly, slowly over the years, it became more contractive. And I felt like, oh, now I'm supposed to be this version of myself that is only part truth, right? Not all of it. So I, I actually went from using my spiritual name Maduri uh, for 16 years to oh. probably about five years ago, coming back to using my birth name of Melanie. Uh, and it, I love Maduri. It's a beautiful name. And I, I, I love when people call me that, but it was a reclamation of my whole self of saying, yes, I have this spiritual inclination and I've, I've done this training and that's very much a part of me, but it's not the only part of me. Right. You know, I also swear and I make inappropriate jokes and like, I, I didn't, I felt like it was limiting right. me. And so it was, I was becoming something that I wasn't and it didn't feel good. Right. Oh my goodness. Tell me a little bit about like, when, when, was there a moment where you started to realize that that was happening? I think it was over a period of time, I started to see the cracks and the dysfunction in, I, I think this is true probably for any organization, whether it be spiritual, religious, or, uh -huh. or otherwise, but I began to see the cracks and dysfunction in the foundation of it. And I thought, you know what, I don't, I no longer want a, uh, a guru to be my savior, to be who I um, bow down to. I can be there in reverence, but I'm not, I'm no longer going to give my power over to anything outside of myself. Right. And I think I was doing that kind of from a place of naivety and earnestness of like, oh, well, this is the, this is the pathway to God. This is the pathway to divinity. Like I must follow these steps that everybody is telling me to follow. Right. And it came from a, a sincere place, but it became disempowering because it took me further away from my truth. Right. Did you find, okay. So when you went into that phase of your life, um, did you find that people who you'd known for many years didn't understand that. And so that was difficult. And then when you came out of it, did you have that same feeling? Cause now people there don't understand what you're going through and why you're coming. I wouldn't say you're coming out of it. You're just evolving as a person. Uh, but did you find similarities in, in that process? I think that the initial kind of going into that and returning from India with a shaved head, like I had hair down to here and with a, this name and I was in my twenties. I think many people thought that was weird. My friends that I'd gone to university with and like that I'd known, um, they didn't maybe necessarily tell me that to my face, but I have right. a sneaking <laughs> suspicion. Um, and by the time I sort of was coming out of that way that I was giving my power over and reclaiming myself, I think I cared less. I did have that moment of going, oh, are people going to think I'm flaky now that I'm taking back my birth name? And they'll be like, well, but I thought she was this and now she's right. this. And I had that moment for sure of, of oh, what will people think? Are they going to think that I, that's weird or, or flaky? And then I just thought, it doesn't matter. Mm. This is my life. And the truth is people are going to think what they think. Yes. And I love the Wayne Dyer quote that says, uh, you know, your opinion of me is none of my business. Yes, I love that. Maybe that's Byron Katie. Anyway, so yeah. some great uh, sage yeah. who said those words, right? That your opinion of me is none of my business because right. your opinion of me is through your own filter. Right. It says more about you than it does about me. Right. And it's interesting. You're making me think of like when people say, um, oh, I'm reinventing myself or other people are saying, oh, you've changed. But the, the feeling that I get is none of those are actually true. You're just finding a way to be the person that you know 
you are inside so that you can feel that free feeling and you don't have to move across the world and you don't have to travel to feel that. You wanna have that feeling everywhere you are. And that's kind of almost like what you're fighting fighting for. You're not, it's not only, not necessarily about reinventing. I think we give it these words um, because it makes other people feel better or it's a way to express it, I guess. But really you're just, we're all just trying to be our truest selves. And it's a shedding process, right? Like there's nothing we have to become. Yes. We already are it. Instead, it's like, let's take those layers of, of conditioning off and let's see what's underneath there. Yeah. That's, that's what I believe we're all yearning to live from is oh that true place. That's beautiful. One of my mentors, Zvonko, always says like, when you're feeling really uncomfortable, you're actually shedding a layer. So that's exactly what you've said. And that's, that is more of what it feels like than adding on a layer. You're actually trying to shed to become that, get to, down to your core. Because it's less about the doing. And yeah. That's the way we've been conditioned. Oh, I need to become something more. I need to be successful. It's like, no, we need to unbecome and yes. just be. Go yes. out of the doing and into the being. Unbe- unbecoming. Oh, unbecoming. so beautiful. Okay, let's, um, let's talk about this. So those women, and you know, you're right. It's not always the loud women. It can be quieter women that you just get this feeling they're very strong in what they believe and what they think and 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 nothing can make them, like nothing will break them down. At least we have that impression. Sometimes those women, we feel like, oh, there's something about them that gets my back up. I don't like that. So how, you know, I can see why people stay quiet because it's so polarizing. Here I want to be more like them actually. And yet that's not what I want to become, if that makes sense. So do you think that's a little bit of what holds people back from expressing themselves and being and expressing their truth is that they want to be that way and yet they don't want to be perceived that way? Yeah, it's, it's complex in a way. And that's still, that point of reference still comes from concern about what other people think, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, if I, if I am my true self or if I speak out, are people going to think of me, like I'm thinking of her. It's my own judgment. Yes. And yes. so th- the truth is we're judging ourselves, mm-hmm. and it gets projected out. So we, we look at it out there and then we internalize that or vice versa. We've internalized it. And then we go, Oh God, I don't want to have that reaction. I see how that person is polarizing in a room. Mm-hmm. And again, we never really know. Sometimes what might appear like polarization is actually people in that room go, I respect her. I don't agree with her, but I respect her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. I can think of, of women that I know in my life and, and, um, and online that we follow. And I just think same thing, like whether I agree with them or not, like there's something beautiful about that energy. Like they're a light in the room. Well, and it takes courage. And I think as women, if we really want to stand by this idea of supporting one another, it's really important to understand what a act of courage it is yes. for people to express themselves, to be themselves. And if we could focus less on judgment and get on, you know, get on our side of the street and just right. take care of either what is being triggered inside of me, like you say about that person saying this or doing that, that's our work to do. Yes. That's our own inner work. Whenever we are triggered, it's about us. Mm-hmm. That, that external person may be the catalyst and what a beautiful teacher. Yes. But we need to look internally and, and get really honest with ourselves about what's coming up for us. Is it that I feel like, oh, I could never do that and I wish I could or that, mm-hmm. oh, I'm just purely judging that person because I bought into the collective who says, oh, a woman that acts like that's a bitch. Or a, oh, mm-hmm. am I to swear? No, sorry. yes, you told him. I love this so much. Yes, <laughs> there's me being, there's me apologizing, oh, right? Oh, right. That's, oh my oh, goodness, so that's, true. That's exactly it, right? <gasps> like how we so quickly go into, oh my god, have I offended? Oh, have I right? That's it. That's the in life example right there. Um, I lost my train of thought now, but I think I was talking about. Yeah, I kind of lost it too because I was so excited to <laughs> actually, and then apologized for it. And it was just, it just made me feel like you were like, this is an ongoing journey. I remember, um, if you, re- if you remember where you were, I'm the kind of, my brain's all over too. Just come back to it. We can, we can hop around. Women are good at hopping around. So totally, we're following. Um, <laughs> You made me think back to childhood of teen years where my mom would say, 
Well, I don't know if she would say it, but it was always implied. What would people think? Yes. What would people think if you did this or if you went there, if you did that? And I used to say to her, I think I was always a little bit rebellious. I used to go, who are these people? Who? Give me a name. Tell me the name. What is that person? And then she wouldn't tell me names, but say she did. I'd be like, well, why does that matter? They have nothing to do, you know? So I always like question that. Who are these people? And more than ever, because I do have like, I'd, I'd say this whole COVID thing has really made me ask, what do, what are my beliefs? What am I doing that I'm doing against my will? What, like, do I have the bravery to do, to stand forth if I'm the only one? And like, I'm going to use this situation. People that follow me know what I'm, <laughs> I'm like, but like, for example, I did not want to be wearing a mask. I didn't want to be masked up. I actually have a legitimate medical exemption for it because I had mold toxicity and used to wake up in the middle of the night gasping for air. So it's a real kind of anxiety thing. However, again, there I am explaining myself unnecessarily, right? Woo, this is awesome. Um, and so, you know, going shopping and having one to defend myself the second I walk in the door to having people judge. But one day I got a wink from a woman and a big smile under her visor. And I was like, wow, not everyone's judging me the way I think that they're judging me. And so this has made me stronger in so many other areas of my life, but it's a work in progress, but I am grateful for this situation in many ways, because I have become a stronger person against that. Who are they that are judging me? And if we're not judging us, it's mm -hmm. irrelevant. Yes. And, you know, standing like knowing. I know that I love people. I know I am not doing anything to harm people. I know, you know, I have to tell myself this over and over and over and to stand in that, in that light. Yes. Yeah. So interesting. Okay. Why do you feel, what are some of the reasons you feel hold women back? I know we've talked a little bit about this, like the layers, but are there like some concrete examples, like where this could have started? Like if a woman wants to start to unpack, like, why, why am I this way? What kind of questions could like, should she be reflecting back to where maybe this started? Is that necessary? What kind of questions can she be asking herself? Cause I think until you kind of unpack that a little bit, it's, it's hard to kind of move forward from that. I think a great place to start is to look at our family system. Like you just gave that example of your mom saying, what are they going to think? And I, I'm sure many of the listeners can relate to that. That's not uncommon. That is a way that, you know, has been passed down through generation to generations is, yeah, what are other people going to think? And I, I believe that's because at our foundation, we're tribal people. Right. And we have this need to belong. Um, because, you know, in ancient times, if you didn't belong in the tribe, if you were kicked out of the tribe, you would have no food, you would have no uh, shelter, you would have no community, right? So there was a big um, incentive to be part of that. But now it's not the same as far as we're, we're very independent in our culture where we don't need the tribe, so to speak other than now it's transferred into like social media. Right. Is yes, sort of become the tribe and oh, do they like me? And how many likes do I get? And, and so then we can often go into that place of distorting ourselves to grow a following or to present ourselves a certain way, et cetera. But right. I think we, we need to look at the ancestral lineage. What is being passed down? Like think back to what did your mother or father say to you? Many of us as little kids were like, be a nice girl. Oh, yeah right? Just be a nice girl. And we, we were treated differently than our brothers and our cousins that were, were boys or, or uh, the boys at school. Like men and women have been stereotypically speaking, treated differently. Right. And we have been literally brought up from birth mm -hmm. to be sweet, yes. be kind. Oh, that just reminded me there was that little poem as a kid, like, little girls are made of sweet and spice and everything nice or something. Yes. yes. Oh my God. That just came to me. And, yes. and it's so yes. contracting because we are literally taught from a young age and maybe our parents weren't like this, but it came through the school or it came through the church or it came through the mosque or it came through wherever it came through. Yes. And it's so subtle and so deep. 
Yes. So we're up against a lot to first of all go where many people come to is they don't know who they are. That's why we call it like the midlife crisis because we get to a place right. in our life uh, and, and many people go, I don't know who I am. I've spent my whole life bringing up my kids or you know, going to this job and then we get to a moment and there's the divorce or the health uh, diagnosis or whatever it is and we go, I don't know who I am. Most of the work I do with clients are middle-aged women that have had a full life, have done, have done profound things in the world. Mm -hmm. And internally, there's a very um, unstable sense of self. Mm. We weren't taught it in school. No, We weren't taught how to um, work with our inner child, if mm -hmm. people are familiar with that term, that aspect yeah. of self that uh, is where our conditioning originated from, that our needs weren't met, no matter how wonderful our parents were, as little beings, we interpret things yeah. and make us the problem. There must be something wrong with me because mom yelled at me or dad doesn't have time for me. And meanwhile, maybe, you know, mom's alcoholic and dad's stressed at work or whatever is going on from an adult perspective but the child interprets as, oh, there must be something wrong with me. Yes. I feel like everyone I've almost, I would probably say 99.9% .9 of people I've ever worked with, myself included at the seed root, mm -hmm. there's a, a piece of not feeling enough. Yeah. And that's where the strategy of being the pleaser, um, being the peacekeeper, being the martyr all come in. And then we're the nice girl and we put on that mask and how are you today? Everything's fine. Oh, I'm good. Cause I'm not, I was not taught that it was okay to express my anger or my rage. Yeah. I just, I, there's a, a range of emotions that were socially acceptable for little girls. Yes. And then no wonder there's all this energy because women are freaking powerful creators. Yes. yes. And so we've been, um, we've abandoned parts of ourselves, mm. disowned parts of ourselves that we were told were dirty, were bad, were wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's a way that the patriarch has um, taken our power and that we continue to give our power away through mm -hmm. um, following those, those conditioned ways of being. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. And I don't think that everyone has heard of the term inner child. Sometimes when we're in our community of health and healing, we use these terms and we think everyone understands, but it, but it can, you know, everyone's on different paths. So I love that you mentioned that because we're, that's really going to speak out to someone that's listening. You make me think like that poem, the, cause I've read, um, I've been reading so much about patriarchy and it's, it's so eye opening when you start to, um, I'm trying to look for the book. Oh, I lent it out. Valerie, what's Valerie's name? She wrote the Patriarchy Stress Disorder. Such a beautiful book. Um, anyway, you think when you spoke of that poem, first it makes me cringe, but then I go, but I also love that part. I also love being sweet and feminine. And, and for a long time, I don't feel like I embrace that side either. Because when you start to, for some reason, we feel like when we, in order to be a full expression of ourselves, that we have to, as women, you know, be a little more masculine than feminine. So how do we balance that? How, how do we go? Yeah, but it's not bad to be sweet either. I love that side of me. It, it, the, the difference is when it's a choice and when it's not. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when it's out of conditioning, we're just being sweet because that's the only way we know how to be. Right. Instead of, no, this is my true, I want to be kind. I want to be generous. I want to help out here. Mm. Most women haven't deciphered what that is. And that's where we lead to thyroid issues, adrenal burnout, because we're giving, 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 because we think if I don't, oh, I feel bad. If I don't say yes to every helping every single person that asks for something or whatever. So the difference is, it's not that being authentic. And I think this is the really important piece is the more masculine. Right. I think being authentic is who are you? Yes, I, yeah. Like it's different for everybody. And, and sweetness, that's what my spiritual name, Maduri actually means. Sweetness. Oh, I love that. And that's part of who I am is very yeah. sweet, but that's not all of who I am. Yes. So it's like, do we have choice? Have we given ourselves permission yeah. to show up in a moment as we are? Yes. That's, that's where the difference is. So yes, we can be 
everything. We can be sweet. We can be mm. rageful. We can have all of these experiences and qualities, but it's from uh, an aligned place and not a distorted, mm. you know, Dr. Sue Mortar, uh, energy healer, she calls it the protective personality. Right. So am I coming from my protective personality of like, I'm just going to be sweet because that's my strategy, yeah. one of my strategies, or am I being sweet? Cause that's just what feels most good, aligned, natural flowing in me right now. Yes. So sweet doesn't mean like that you can never express yourself, that you always have to be like, that you always have to have people. uh, You always have to agree with people to not rock the boat. Like that's such a big one. Oh, I don't want to rock the boat. Like, you know, I'm in this staff room and I don't agree with what they're saying. And I feel like I want to say something, but I'm not because I'm sweet or no, you know what? I don't agree with them, but right now I don't, I actually truly don't care and don't want to express myself. <laughs> like those are probably two very different things. Yes. And I think we each have to know for our own self, where our motivation is coming from. Right. Am I coming from fear? Is that why I'm not saying anything? Or am I just coming from clarity of like, mm. I have nothing to contribute here or don't want to, or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we don't always have the energy. Like sometimes I think when I might think differently to people in the room, I don't always have the energy in that moment to be speaking up and I'm, I'm okay with that. And then there's times where you walk away and you're like, why did I say something? And that's the moment, right? That we know we have um, betrayed ourselves. Yes. Yes. I want to talk about like practical scenarios. Like what are some strategies? And like, let's think of like at work, I think, I think workplaces, especially nine to five workplaces, because they are very uh, patriarchal set up, I guess might be the word. And those I think are places where women really find it difficult that, and also their group, like friendship groups could be difficult too. Let's talk about the work scenario first. What are some strategies? Like say someone almost feels like they're being bullied and they don't know how to stand up for themselves. And maybe it's not even bullying. It's just that that's how they're perceiving it because they don't can't find that voice to say to this person, I'm not agreeing with you, or I feel like I'm being micromanaged or whatever it is. Are are there practical strategies that someone can start implementing? I mean, there's a whole, uh, you have so many and I'm sorry, I'm going to just say, I will put all your contact details in this because people can actually come to you for full, like for so much help with this. We're just giving you a tiny little glimpse. (laughs) There's a whole um, body of work called nonviolent communication, Mm. uh, which I won't go into, but if people are interested, they can, you know, Google that. What's really important is that we take a hundred percent responsibility for ourselves, for our reactions. And then from that place, we can always speak to, and this is the responsibility piece. We say, uh, for example, when, when you said that, I feel this way, not you made me feel. Right. Because nobody can actually make us feel anything. Mm. We feel things because of our own conditioning, programming, uh, past experiences. Right. So whenever we are triggered, it is actually a gift to look back inside of ourselves, And sometimes part of that is Uh, requires us to speak out and to speak up as well, especially if there is someone, you know, being bullying, whether it's, you know, really subtle and sarcastic jokes or whether it's quite severe. um, And and that might be more of like an intervention or human resources is required. But what a beautiful practice for us as women to claim it and say, I feel this way, because then that person can't argue with that. They can't argue with how you're feeling and you're just communicating that you're not asking them to do anything unless there is a request. And that might look like I request that our communication be kind and whatever it is, Mm -hmm. but even just to voice that out to, to someone is an act of courage without blaming because the minute that we're blaming or pointing the finger at someone else, we've again, disempowered ourselves because we're saying you have the power to control how I feel. Mm. and and the more we do our inner work we we can even delight in being triggered by the external because we realize oh that's just there's more attention needed inside of myself to bring more loving into areas and this is where the inner child work comes in to see 
when, when was the time in our life that we first felt that way? Cause we're going to tra- trail that all, all the way back. Yes. Oh my goodness. And is that something, is that a process you take people through? Because I'm like, would I remember that? I don't know. Is that something that someone could be like working with you could get there to find that moment? It's amazing when we go into um, part of the energy healing work, I work, work that I do with people um, is a process called theta healing. And when we tap into the subconscious, it's amazing the the memories that start to kind of get unleashed and people, some people go, well, I don't, I don't want to know, but it's living inside of us anyway. We can't, right. We're not going to feel worse. We're carrying it around. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we're going to feel worse. We're carrying it around and we're likely suppressing it. And that will lead to health problems and disease anyway. So yeah, the inner child work is so profound because what happens is we get to essentially parent ourselves. So anytime that we feel uncomfortable, anytime that we feel disempowered, we get to go in and literally have a conversation with the part of ourselves who feels scared Mm. because in the past, maybe no one did stand up for them. So now we get to stand up for ourselves, both internally and externally. And that comes back to the whole full circle around feeling safe. Right. But if our inner child doesn't feel safe, we're our adult kind of self out in the world will not. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say adulting's hard. <laughs> can be depending what we're thinking and believing. Well, that's not great it. language. Actually, the point is for it to not be hard. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I'm loving all this. I love that term unleashing. And that's the, that was the feeling I got when you were explaining that process that it, it feels, it would feel freeing to go through that process. Well, cause then we get to see all of the subconscious ways that have been dictating our life that we haven't been aware of. And that's why we don't speak up because right. there's something in our subconscious that says it's not safe to. Right. And so when we can track back to a time and it's not always necessary that we come up with a, a memory or a thing, cause we can start right where we are in the moment right. going, mm-hmm. I don't feel safe speaking up here. Right. How can I create an inner narrative with myself that is, might look like something of, I'm going to, you know, take care of myself. I can always walk out of the room. I'm, I'm safe. It's just communication, whatever that dialogue might be with ourself to build up that muscle of knowing that we're okay. Right. I feel like you're in my brain right now. Cause I was just thinking about, um, that this would be like a muscle that, that, the more you do it, the easier it's going to get. Also, I want to thank you for giving those words to women, to me, because it's always, I think this will forever be a work in progress. Um, because as we tap into different scenarios in our life, it will come up. So I think we can become stronger in one area at a time, like for now, and then we'll be in a different scenario and we revert back a little bit and then have to work that muscle again. But thank you for using the words and the, of, of, um, you said, this is how I'm feeling. Is that how you, how you worded it? Uh, something along the lines of when you said that, I okay. felt this. Thank you. Not you made me feel. It's a very different thing. Yeah, I'm so glad you reset that because that's, that's powerful. Sometimes we just don't have the words to say it. And that's a real tool. Even you saying, okay, I can actually leave the room now not, we don't all know that these are actually strategies. It makes sense. You go, Oh, of course I can leave the room, but in that situation, I'm maybe not tapping into that. And you're teaching that right now. Like, so that's already a tool where someone's going to be like, actually now I could just, I'm powerful. I can leave the room right now. Yeah. And it, it, it's not like, I know I've been in so many situations that were um, abusive, mm-hmm. not physically, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually that I didn't give myself permission. I didn't know I could give myself permission to leave the room or to leave the relationship or to leave the situation. Yes. And then when you look back, you go, why didn't I know that? (laughs) But of course, like it's sometimes you're in survival mode. Sometimes you're back in, like you are back into that inner child and children don't always know their options. No. And that's why we need the, the sovereign adult in her, Mm. you know, authorship in her uh, vertical, I call it the center line to be able to hold the reins because if our inner child's holding the reins and, and, and that will show up as not speaking our truth, not mm-hmm. taking the actions or behaviors in alignment with what we know we really want to do. And it's in a, it is that unveiling process. It might take us some time to really understand 
what is true for us. Right. It's not always clear because it's like all of this stuff has been piled on top and mm. decades and decades of living from a strategy, that strategy we think is our identity, right? Oh, I'm just quiet. I'm just shy, or I'm just mm. loud, or I'm just this. And, and it may or may not be true. Right. And it's Absolutely. so liberating when we go, Oh, I get to choose how I show up in a situation. I get to choose how I respond. It's not an automatic. I only respond like this and I can only do that. Yes. And so a fun way to start to exercise that muscle yes. is sort of in low consequence situations, right? Okay. So, yes. yeah. so where it's not a, a big, um, no, yeah, like a high consequence to our perceived self that is. So maybe a friend says, hey, uh, do you want to go out and do something on Friday night? And even though we're like, oh, God, I'm so tired. I just want to like stay home and have a bath and read a book. We're like, oh, she really wants me to. And I, I just say yes. And so that could be a really great opportunity to, to say no. Yes. And not to have to give full oh, I'd love to, but blah, 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 right? Women do that all the time. We feel we have to justify every yes or no. Like no is a complete sentence. And we can be polite about it. But we don't have to be, we don't have to pander to what we think other people are expecting of us. Oh, I love that. Thank you for that. I know I've done that so many times myself where I am explaining or I'm thinking what, what are they going to think? Or they really need me, but also I need myself too. And I have gotten better at that, but again, not with every person. So I can feel that some people now that's so easy to do now. No is a complete sentence. Thank you so much for that. And then there's still like this odd scenario where I'm like, oh, I'm justifying and justifying and justifying or going to feel bad that I didn't want to do. Yes. And then how does that leave you feeling? Yeah. Terrible. Well, it's a big thing in business, women, female entrepreneurs, you know, that because you're setting your own, I mean, this, I'm speaking from personal experience. You've set your schedule. This is what I need to do because I'm building my empire. And then that friend calls because they know you work for yourself and it's, you know, one in the afternoon and all their other friends are nine to fivers, but they have this day off. And so you're like, oh, they only have this one day off. Oh, I should go, you know, and all of a sudden your schedule's off. And like, it comes up in so many, yes. so many situations. Those boundaries, right. Become leaky. Yes. And that will drain us. Yeah. And boundaries aren't rigid. I think that's really important too, that boundaries right. aren't walls. Oh, and they can yeah, explain that a little bit for us. And they can move. Our boundaries aren't always going to be like this. Maybe we're going through a health challenge and we're going to need a different set of boundaries. Right. Or maybe something's going on with our kid and we're going to need a different set of boundaries than if we're feeling overflowing with vitality and energy. Yes. Uh, so we can move our goalposts, so to speak. Oh, thank you for that. Again, we need to. Permission, permission. Permission. It's all about this self permission. Why are we waiting? And I know why, because we've been conditioned and trained to wait for typically, you know, the masculine energy to tell us it's okay to do this, whether it's, you know. Yes. And thank you. I'm going to use that term a lot now self permission, because permission implies that someone else is giving it to you. So I love that self permission. Right. Like that in school, right. We used to get the permission yeah. st- slip to oh, get out of class for everything, whatever we had to go yes, to the bathroom. All of it. And that's where it's taught. So early on, right. Like you need, you need permission to go to the bathroom. You need to put your hand up and say, can I pee? My body is saying I need to urinate and I need to ask an external source of authority if that's okay. And I remember times the teacher's like, not now in 10 minutes or whatever. And so we are taught, it's so subtle, but like that my, I can't listen to my body, that someone outside of me has authority over this vessel. Mind blowing what you are saying right now. (laughs) Absolutely. And you know, when we're looking back at where did this all start, school systems are a big thing. Yeah. Any institution is going to make. Put your head up before you speak a big one and we can understand why some of these sort of rules are set in place and at the same time wow so disempowering right and the society needs structure we all need structure and I think I am a a good friend of mine Callan Rush always says through structure comes freedom and I do believe in structure structure but structure is not the same as hard rules well in structure structure my day 
Yes. But it can flow too. Like it's not. And that's through your choice, how you structure that. Yes. As little ones in school, we're structured into a system that may work for some kids really well and for others be the worst thing. I think that's where like Montessori and Steiner schools are being a little more progressive in that area. Yeah. Yeah. And we're seeing it more than ever with, with parents homeschooling and creating different systems. It's actually quite beautiful. Different structures, right? It's incredible. Um, Okay. Just we're nearing the end, which makes me sad, but we have a few more minutes (laughs) as a, as a health coach. um, I'd really love to tap into why this is so important for our physical well-being. And I remember um, an experience I had when I started to learn about patriarchy. And I always say patriarchy does not mean against men. That's not the no, term. no, I love men. It's that <laughs> That's not what it means. It's it's structures and systems that that we've you know been complying with for years and and have really kind of they're how we're kind of living our lives. Yeah. And so I remember um, when I started learning about patriarchy and I realized that in certain scenarios, um, for example, one was when I was going to make a, a large purchase of something. I had the money, I had the cash. It was uh, a sensible decision, but it was a large purchase. And that whole like, oh, don't spend, don't do this came up. And I remember feeling this constriction in my throat. And I've had this constriction many times. This is just the 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 time that it's kind of popping up. And I know in the past women and money is a very patriarchal thing. It's why a lot of women have a hard time asking for the, for their full worth, for raises, for, you know, the pricing of their programs. We all like so many women under, under serve themselves financially. Um, And so I knew that that's where that was coming from. And Dr. Valerie always says, it's your prison guard. So tell them it's okay. They can release you. And I remember saying, it's, a, it's okay. This is just patriot. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. And by the time I got there, made the purchase, I felt great. But I remember I, if I had not been taught that, I wouldn't have tied that to that constriction in my throat, which is thyroid, which I believe is why certain professions, and we've seen it in, in very caring professions, nursing, teaching, a lot of these women struggle with weight and thyroid issues. And I find that fascinating. Is, am I totally off? Or is this something you've seen with women you're working? Talk to us a little bit about the connection to the physical and why it's important for us to heal this so that we heal our physical bodies as well. Yeah, it's completely interrelated 100%. This is why, uh, you know, as a Ayurvedic practitioner, this is, I love these conversations because this is all about looking at the mind-body energy connection. Uh, because every thought and emotion that we have moves through the, the energy field, which the energy field that is around the body, it's called the biofield or the toric field. And this is real, you know, science can now gauge this. It's not some woo-woo thing. Um, the energy field and these energy centers, the chakras are giving information to the physical. So say we have um, a belief about ourselves that I'm not, um, I'm not good enough. That, uh, just as an example, might disrupt our solar plexus. It can disrupt any of the energy centers, but our solar plexus uh, energy centers related to our sense of power, our sense of um, assertiveness. Mm-hmm. So if someone, for instance, has this belief, it's subconscious, they're not walking around thinking, they might be, but often it shows up as these strategies. So they become the pleaser because they don't feel like, well, I wasn't as good as my brothers. I didn't get the attention that my brothers got. So now I have to uh, be the good girl, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And they don't know why they've had digestive issues for most of their adult life. Right. And then uh, eventually those digestive issues um, proliferate and become either more severe or in Ayurveda, we would say would go out and create more disturbance in other areas of the body that are, are weak or that are related to an energy center. Like you say, the thyroid is often, um, well, is connected to this throat chakra is connected to our ability to express, to speak yes. our truth. If, if we're holding in our words, maybe we were uh, married once and we had an ex-husband that was uh, oppressive or domineering and we never spoke up because we were like oh if I speak up and upset him and and rock the boat then I won't have this financial stability or I won't have um, this home life perceived stability 
So our physical body is ex an expression of the subconscious mind. Right. So our physical body is going to show us exactly where we need to bring attention. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I've had that personal experience, like that, that small example, but another thing was I have never in my life dealt with digestive issues. And then a few years ago I did get mold toxicity and I always related the mold toxicity to my digestive issues because they say there's a, a real link with that. And I'm not saying that there is not. However, I always felt like there was another layer to it. And I was um, recently separated very suddenly. And it's interesting that when I, um, when that relationship ended and I moved and I started going through this healing process that my digestive issues are gone. So it's really like, that just fascinates me because I haven't changed anything that I've been doing. So yeah, it's, it's absolutely connected. And when we look at the psycho-emotional component of things, sometimes the physical uh, body, it just rewrites itself. Right. Oh, beautiful. Okay. I'm kind of sad because this is ending, but <laughs> I feel like we can talk for this. We can talk for hours. This is a five-hour-long so podcast. It's just so it's so beautiful. I just I think this can be such a starting point for so many, and I've learned so much with you already. Um, I know, like you offer, you have books, you have um, courses, you coach, you have so many things. I really believe in in people seeking out help because. It's not that you can't get there yourself. It's that you'll get there quicker. And why not release that quicker? Would you do, would like speak to that and how people can come and, and get in touch with you? And then I have one last question that I want people to stick around for because I always ask it at the end. Absolutely. Um, thank you for that. And yes, I agree hundred percent. I used to think that I could do it all on my own mm. uh, and, and then realized through some life experiences of going through a grueling divorce. And I had a, a almost decade long autoimmune condition that I needed to heal myself from and, and did with Ayurveda and energy healing. Uh, and then I really got that I needed support after the sudden death of my partner who committed suicide. Mm. And, and it, so sorry. it was that time. Thank you. Uh, that time in my life where I realized we're not meant to do it alone. Mm -hmm. Can't do it alone. We need support. Because like you say, it expedites the suffering we're in. Yes. It's not that we need it. We're helpless. No, it's mm -hmm. that. Do you want to heal faster? Yeah. Uh, and especially having the, the guidance from someone outside of ourselves that can see ourselves from a different perspective yeah. and hold that space of, of magnificence for us when we are caught up in not feeling good enough. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I love receiving, um, support and coaching and mentorship myself. And I also offer that. Um, I'm really working with healers and um, yogis and coaches to support them in, in dealing with imposter syndrome mm -hmm. and dealing with self-sabotage and unworthiness so that they can clear any blocks related or preventing them from living abundantly, whether that's abundance in yeah. their finances and in their health. Yes. You actually, that actually gave me goosebumps. I felt like a, a real sense of relief when you said we don't have to do it ourselves. No. And I think that's where like being women in particular, like when women come together, it's so beautiful. It's so powerful. Like it, it, it's, you feel so happy and so content and um, yeah, it's beautiful. That's incredible. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Last question. This is a question I ask everyone because the tagline to my podcast, and I think just it through life, I always think of these moments. And so I had to write this in. And the question is, um, so the tagline is, you never know when you may hear something that changes everything. Cause I know I've had these moments where a quote, some, something someone says literally changed the direction of where I was headed, or maybe it could be small. It could be big. So can you think of a time you probably have a few, but can you think of a time when you heard or perhaps read something that changed everything for you? Oh boy. Um, I can't think of anything off like right off the top of my head, but what is coming through is this idea of permission of self-permission that we spoke about. I, I feel like for me, that was a real changing point to understand, like I'm a middle-aged, I'm 44 year old woman, but to go, 
I'm the one that gives me permission. I've been waiting for other people to say, I can do this or I can do that. And, and I've been waiting and it will not come. And so for me to recognize that I'm the one I've been waiting for, yes, I'm the one that gets to champion me. Yes. And that that doesn't have to be laborious. That could be exciting because we go, oh, there's actually no constraints other than what I'm thinking and perceiving in my own mind. Mm-hmm. When I give myself permission to self-express, to uh, be in my truth, whether quietly or overtly, to me, that's freedom. To yeah. me, that's freedom. Oh, powerful. That's a powerful moment. Oh, Melanie, thank you. Like, thank you so much for your time, for sharing your experience, your knowledge, all of it. Thank you so much. I know this podcast episode is going to be the beginning of a journey for so many. And I'm so forever grateful for you for for giving us your time. Thank you so much. It's so good to be with you. Thank you. And I'm sure we'll connect again soon. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, take care. Thank you so much for listening in today. I know time is precious and I'm grateful you shared yours with me. It would mean the world to me if you felt an impact, a moment of inspiration, or learned something new, if you would share it with those you care about and leave me a review on iTunes. I'd love to know what spoke to you or what you'd like to hear more of. Your sharing and leaving a review would help so much on this journey to making an impact on as many people as possible. It's worth it. I know from experience, there are moments when something we hear has the possibility of changing everything.